1: Hey 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 Michelle. I'm good, but more importantly, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing I'm doing pretty
0: well, you know. Um I know this is a little awkward because we are in two separate locations and we're recording this mm-hmm. podcast and I'm at home and you're at the studio and my seat's mm-hmm. empty next to you. The bottle of wine is mm. going to be empty next to you, but not
1: because <laughs> the, of me. <laughs> <laughs> the bottle of wine is ocup- occupying your 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 place right now. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. But my son had uh, had the
0: uh, uh, symptoms of the coronavirus, and so last Thursday we finally were able to get a test, and we're waiting on the um, the results. And so it's not smart for me to go sit next mm-hmm. to you inside a studio or our, our guests or anything like that. So we are pretty right. much uh, doing this as a you know, I feel like we're Saturday Night Live. We have so many people on the screen I today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> And I know it's good. we're a very breedy bunch right now lots very of, Brady lots bunch. of windows. yeah. yeah. How so. are you today? I'm good. I'm, um, you know, I continue to just stroll along. Michelle, I have a funny story for you, though. Oh, okay. So, you know, you like to joke about how you basically don't come to my house hungry. If I'm having you over for dinner, because yeah. it takes a little while for me to finish preparing my meal. I've learned so yes, not to yeah. get your house hungry. <laughs> yeah. So yesterday, I started cooking my lasagna at 3 o'clock. I started, co- you know, making my my dish. And I was like, well, surely, you know, five or six hours, it'll be like a late night dinner, like nine, won't be that late. It was no. one o'clock in the no. morning. <laughs> Emily what's wrong with you? It takes a long time you really make, like you know I rolling out the noodles I mean yeah so even yeah.
0: When, even when you're cooking a meal, you're still like <laughs> extended fasting and intermittent fasting like everybody else <laughs> on their t- diets and stuff. I mean that's like within yeah. your like in your making of the meal you've you've just extended the fast.
1: It's true. Yeah. God goodness. So yeah. So one o'clock in the morning. I did. Yeah. Because I mean, my God, after like nine hours of making or ten or whatever it was, did you fall asleep on your on your like eating? (laughs) No, 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 no. But you know, it definitely it was worth the pain. So well, let's
0: just say that we're really lucky that I have to stay home. You right weren't now there. Because if you invited me over for lasagna, I think I would have been a really um, <laughs>
1: you, kind of... You would have been hangry. I would have been hangry
0: or <laughs> wasted because I drank all your wine. Right. And then I'd be asleep on the couch. I'd be Ubering home. So...
1: right. It's and hungry because you never would have eaten. It's yeah, all good. So, it's all good. But yeah. we're drinking wine separately tonight.
0: Let's we go are. ahead. Let's talk about what we've got. The what wine you-
1: part. The wine so part. For, yeah. So for the wine part today, I'm doing actually some leftover wine from last night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I'm doing a white Burgundy. This is from uh, Mecon Village uh, by Albert Vichot. It's from 2018. So this is a uh, Chenin Blanc. Um, it's, um, you know, I think it's yummy. I, I used it actually to cook with. Um, uh, but I always am a believer of like cooking with good wine. So, um, it's, uh, I mean, it's white burgundy. Come on. So, uh, I, I think it's really elegant. I, you know, I'm notes that I'm getting out of this on the nose, a lot of minerality, wet stone, lemon, lime, green apple. And on the palate, some of that citrus comes through with some honey and peach. It's, Really pretty lovely. Yeah.
0: I think we've had that before. I think I've I think had we that have. at your house before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's and it falls into
0: like the twenty dollar range.
1: Yeah. I, I found this on sale. Um, I it's I picked this up for fourteen dollars. It's normally like in that twenty four dollar price range. So yeah. So
0: yeah. Nice. That's and what I
1: That's what I'm drinking. The well, good. Last lone glass out of this. What about you? So, uh, since I have to be here by myself
0: <laughs> and um, I don't have to share with anybody, <laughs> I'm drinking this Coderone Inopia.
1: Inopia. Oh my God. I love that so much. Shit's good.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my God. God. is it good? And I, re- I know we've had this before, like probably oh. just hanging around drinking. And I know I have bought this bottle. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've had this before. And, um, yeah it's absolutely delightful. It yeah. is um like a, uh, the earth it, aroma is fantastic. Mm. Uh the taste it's I, and it's it's a wine that I like because it tells a story. I like l- wines mm. that have like a complex and and I can you know you know, imagine the characters, you know, in and the, the wine. Um uh but it's 32.99.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, those are those are really nice wines, but yeah, you're going to play like, a little bit. Oh, oh, damn it. I forgot mm-hmm. that's how much spent on it. So, um but
0: I, I figure, you know what? It's I'm I'm having a quarantine, so I might as well drink the good stuff. Um <laughs> you know, I and I don't have to share it. So, um that's kind of like even a better bonus cuz I get it all. So, all I don't so. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's kind of a, a multi-layered panty. If it's like one that tells a story, oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's
0: actually it's actually a pair of panties that um, you had like an amazing uh, experience. Could be whatever you want that experience to be. But mm-hmm. It was so amazing that you have like you've just put those panties off to the side because they will you, you will never have that experience again. But they're like your memory panty. Mm -hmm. Like right over there. You're like it out. And and you don't want to look at it and say, well, I can never wear those again because they're so much smaller than I am now. But more of the lines of, that was such an incredible XYZ, insert your incredible experience. But you don't ever want to, you want that to be your memory.
1: I I think it's interesting that you wouldn't just want to wear those all the time, hoping that that brings those kinds of experiences back. Well, you know… It could. I mean, it's like you know, karma in your panties.
0: You, know, you could have some karma in your pants. Yeah, I mean, some good karma. <laughs> you just hopefully yeah. that you never have something that was like really bad when you're in those panties, because then you got to then it's like well, like, that's it a totally zeroed it out.
2: Story. <laughs> so, Gosh. but this is a
0: phenomenal wine. Um, mm-hmm. If you're if you're find yourself at home because everybody's testing around you and you have to stay home and stay healthy, pick up a bottle of Enopia and uh, and splurge. Uh, treat yourself so
1: nice choice that sounds great anyway let's yeah well I'm really excited about our guests Uh, today and that is plural by the way we have three amazing women joining us we have Tiffany Robertson who is the founder of Touchy Topics Tuesdays um did I pronounce that right is that plural Tuesdays or Tuesday? the topics is plural. Is plural. Okay, yeah. thank you Just for say T is a tongue twister. T. <laughs> and then we have Lori Shannon joining us. We had the pleasure of seeing speak at the Women's March. Um gosh, was that last No, January or earlier this year. Oh my God, so much time! It feels (laughs) like so much time has passed. Um, so so nice to see you again, Lori, and um, we loved hearing your story and definitely want to share a little bit of that with our audience. And we have Elizabeth Joseph, who we're just now meeting, but I'm so glad to meet you, Elizabeth. Hello, welcome, everyone.
0: (laughs) Hi. Yeah, yeah. So, is anybody else drinking wine along with us? me hey. All right, Lori, hey. what are you Yay. drinking?
3: Okay, so um I'm in uh, by myself and so no one's coming over. Um I got the box out. <laughs> I don't do that around people, right? <laughs> so just when I'm by myself and um so I got the, the boda box, the red wine, but guess what I did? Um put a popsicle, a an all natural berry popsicle in the wine and it Oh it's amazing. It's like a sangria. Yeah, it like it was. So yeah, cool about oh. the wine. Put some little
2: fruits in there. Yeah.
0: Okay. never heard of that. Oh my gosh. Laura, can you to...
2: hold up your glass so we can see what the like? Oh, nice.
3: Okay. I use a straw so I don't stain my teeth.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> That's a good tactic. Yeah. Right? Never thought about that. Yeah. So you don't get Bluetooth or purple tooth. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Exactly. So I don't get caught, really. Is what
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Everybody she's one a, of us. Yeah, she's <laughs> definitely one of us. We all have our methods to stay, uh, stay pretty, if you will, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and still be able to drink lots of wine, right? Right. So, um, but so Lori, you're the only one joining us, uh, Tiffany, you're not, uh, Im- uh imbibing I tonight. I
4: got a cup
2: of coffee. I okay. just come in from running all day. So I needed energy.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. No problem. <laughs> upper, yeah. No problem. Um, and Elizabeth,
4: um, I am 19. You, you look so a little no. young. Okay. So yeah. 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 I,
0: no. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to like, you know, embarrass you yeah. if you're older than yeah. <laughs> perfect. No, 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 you're good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I don't need your parents coming after us because right. we have got you drunk on our podcast. So, um, thankfully, you're at home and not in our presence and underneath that uh, that peer pressure. Of bunch of, right. Don't
4: you know, say no.
0: Older white ladies and their pressure, trained. right? Right.
1: <laughs>
0: but anyway, so... Touchy Topic Tuesdays. We first heard about this with our episode, our podcast episode with Dana Kelly. That would have been mm-hmm. season two, 47, 48, around that yeah. time. Uh, our two episodes back Kelly to back was, with
1: her yeah. was so
0: so long and so rich. We split it into two episodes, and uh, she told us about Touchy Topic Tuesdays the first time. And Emily and I were like, "We got to have that. Got mm-hmm. to we got to connect." And then, like she said, we saw Lori's speech. At the Women's March in St. Louis, and we were like, "That's the one!" You know, elbowing each other through our through mm-hmm. our warm jackets, and um, and so we're really, really pleased to have you guys on the show today. We're going to talk about how touchy topics came about, how you got connected to it, Lori, the amazing things that have uh, have happened because of it, personally um, within our community. And, um, and then I would love to also at some point in our conversation talk about how we can, um, how we can feel stronger in our own two feet when we're, when as allies are confronted with angry, ugly people in our faces that then, you know, I know myself, I can get nervous and, and more intimidated, and not actually stand strong enough. That I and I want to be a strong ally. Um, so uh, that's kind of where I see like our conversation kind of unfolding today. Um, but we will go wherever it takes us. We're not limited to just yeah. those those organic those
1: flow. Yeah. yeah. So
0: yeah. why don't we just start off with Tiffany? How you created? Why you created? Um, Touchy topics Tuesday.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Michelle and Emily, for having me today. I was not planning on joining, but I'm glad I'm just here just to share this bit. And I do always try to bring participants alongside me because everyone has a different experience in TTT. That's part of the magic of it. So um, Lori, who's been very faithful, very proactive with it, and Elizabeth, who's new, I just thought sharing their experience would help connect your listeners regardless of where they were on their own journey with awareness and, um, responding to that awareness. So thank you for allowing this, uh, Brady Bunch type
4: mashup.
2: (laughs) Um, so how TTT came about was completely not, um, this mindful thing of mine. Where Oh, I'm going to create something. No, that wasn't it. This was an accident, a hurtful one. And one that made me probably ask God like, um, but maybe never want to ask God or tell God yes again. So um, the journey started in 2014, shortly after uh, Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson and Officer Darren Wilson was subsequently acquitted. Um, and so at the time during the acquittal process, I don't know if you guys actually remember, but um, apparently the officials were expecting um, some responses to mm-hmm. the grand jury. Um, not indicting this officer. And so schools were closing, businesses were closing at the time. My that. daughter, um, who is now a sophomore, junior, where I don't know, she's in college now. I forget um, what grade she's in, but she was a freshman. She was a 14-year-old freshman in high school. And so after picking her up, because her school was one of the ones that was closing, um, her father and I were like most people in the region planning to sit down and watch the verdict um, together as a family. And my daughter at 14, like most 14 year olds who have been well protected and well guarded by their parents, uh, was very idealistic. Like, Mom, I don't know why we got to watch this together. I'm going upstairs to my room like racism is not a thing. And this officer is going to be acquitted and you and dad just need to kind of stop being so old and so she popped popcorn like it was movie night right went to her room and um, my husband and I just kind of let her have that time that separate time Um, we were we remained downstairs and at the time that the verdict was read um, all we heard was this um, this this penetrating scream reverberate throughout our home and the scream when you, when you've raised children, you know, the depth of hurt that comes from the sounds that they make, you know, when they cry, what the cry, how to respond. And so I knew that this scream was, she was being broken. Um, Mm. Her entire reality was being remade in that particular moment. And so um, I raised this girl, but there was no way I could respond to her. And, and, um, I just, we decided to let her feel what she needed to feel. And so we didn't respond. We we actually, she came down, she kind of moseyed down and she just sat between us and she just cried, like just this intense purging cry. And then all of these questions that she had, and you don't know how to say, we've always been Black in America. This has always been the expectation of being Black in America. Um, You almost feel apologetic for not like giving her bits and pieces of that, like for protecting her from that for so long, you feel apologetic. You know, all of the emotions that come with seeing your child have to reorient themselves into a new reality.
0: It was Um, like, it was like what she thought her world was about came crushing down. Right. I mean, is that what you're saying? I mean, like, like it's like, I know if you if you believe in something and then you find out like it's not the it's not that way. Um, I mean, I, I the the loss inside. You, I mean, at at fourteen I years think old, it was, the,
2: it was the it was her expectation of justice being served, and if it wasn't served, like why not? It was clear to her that justice would be served in a specific way in this case. It was clear after. All of the nights of protest that we had, it was clear that a decision would come down that would feel more like justice than the one that was issued. So and she was expecting that because that's what we read about is supposed to happen in our justice system. We're supposed to be delivered justice equally. That um, is blind. Right. Mm -hmm. So. So uh, they say. at, and the realization of that—that that, uh, all of the things that she had probably tried, all of the microaggressions that she had experienced, all of those things came, kind of, in this very intense moment. Oh, this is racism. Like this is just a piece of it, but I've experienced this, and I've—I've I've tried to pretend like most of us that it's not that, or I've questioned myself about it, about how it reveals itself, and I've questioned it and told myself that it's not this. And all of these truths came to her in this intense moment. And she needed to purge and kind of deal with that. Um, and I didn't have any answers to help her. Mm. Not her. I had any answers. So um, I prayed and I was like, hey, God, like this is a real prayer. Like this is way bigger than me. Um, like I'm just one person, um, but I'll respond if if you want me to respond to this, I will respond in the way that you direct me. And I've never said those words again because TTT was birthed from that prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went out into the community that we lived in and I asked complete white people to meet with me, just white, primarily white women, to meet with me so that I can ask. What is this? Like not the textbook version, not the um, watered down, politically correct answer. What is it about my skin that's so offensive, like in the most up close and personal way and tell the truth? Like I needed to know I needed to figure it out for myself, figure it out to give back to her. And then once I and once they responded to those questions, how did they respond? What did they say? Mm, um, it, was, it was very uh, surreal. You knew, you, I didn't expect the truth. I probably didn't really want it. Um, but I think primarily like naming things that are typically projected onto people of color, like these were their thoughts, the um, biases that we hold
0: they were able to articulate them and say, well. Did they feel justified in those? Did they feel justified in those biases? I mean, when they were, when they, when you asked them, did they feel like they, I mean, and I, I know you can't actually tell me how they felt, but did it seem to you that they were absolutely secure in, and that there was no problem with what they were responding to you?
2: I I don't think that I think they were responding to this is what I know. This is what's been presented. Um, But I'm questioning it. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't this secure, like you're this, you're that. It's these are the things that I know about people who look like you, like the things that we always assume about people, about people who look different from us. And so I think it was from that place. But they were honest from that place. And so, as they answered, um, I, I, you know, I, ha- I was like, "Hey, now, what do I do with the answers? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? Um, how do I reconcile these answers and 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 not catch a felony? You know, <laughs> 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 and and, say, and, ha- and keep a clean record? Like, seriously? Like, we have to. These things invoke emotion. Like, yeah. so. Um, I
0: mean, w- I. I applaud you being so brave to ask somebody, what is it about me that you don't like because, or what is about my color of my skin that you, that you don't like? Because I know I don't like to ask, do I look nice in this outfit? Because I don't want the truth. Right. But you went there and you asked that hard question and I applaud the, the women who responded. Um, And I hope uh, that they, that you guys have grown, like they've, They've released those biases and you've had answers. And I mean, we are, you know, it, it's gone beyond that initial conversation, correct?
2: Well, six years later, yeah. of course, a lot of things have grown and evolved. But the relationships, like you start a relationship with that. And and, and those those answers were wrapped in conversations about broader things that were happening like Michael Brown, um, like other things that were happening. So those those questions were wrapped inside of those broader conversations. Um, and so I had to figure out, okay, is it possible? Because most of these women, they were strangers to me, but we were in the same community. Is it possible for me to keep doing this, for me to keep revisiting this conversation and just start to peel this stuff back and then tell them, I feel some type of way about y'all too. You know, like, is mm. this possible to remain in some sort of community. And it didn't feel healthy. Like those conversations didn't feel like we were cultivating any type of a healthy community, but it felt necessary to break through, to actually park in that space and keep working through it. Like not knowing what's on the other side, not knowing um, if we're going to stay committed or in these relationships, but to, I just needed in that moment to stay there. And I think they had the same burden to stay there because they stayed there.
1: Um, How were you successful in curating this group of women to come and and be so open with their opinions with you?
2: Well, again, Michael Brown was happening. Michael Brown was huge. Uh, and then right after there was a, uh, another police involved shooting directly in our community um did you use social media to get people to to connect with you like how did you actually get me that trees talk to me so some for some reason i think they i don't know they were just kind of we would see each other maybe at a neighborhood meeting and i would just speak and they would speak and then um have you guys heard of the social media platform next door Oh,
1: oh oh yeah oh yeah
2: yeah so they would like message me and just say because often I was one of few African Americans or people of color at the meetings. They would just message me and say, Hey, we saw you. And like one woman, she's like, You were the only one who spoke. I, like you were the only black person that spoke. Can we meet for coffee? And I was like, Is that a prerequisite? To <laughs> no. Like, and, and that's literally these organic just ways. And And it turns out she was having questions about how the African American community was feeling surrounding these police involved Mm incident. And I guess my gesture of just speaking maybe felt like to her an invitation to start a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so these were women who were just kind of already trying to get involved in um, the response of the community and get a pulse on the community. And so I think I just showed up. It was just like that perfect storm. I just I was at one meeting and there was a, you know, this yeah. attraction on my forehead. Apparently, right, right. Says she's the one, like, like the Scooby Doo ghost. Just yeah. Well, is. well, Lori, you
0: you got involved um, a couple of years into Touchy Topics had already been around, correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, you share with our listeners how you found Tiffany.
3: <laughs> sure. So it was um, November. Of um, 2016, when uh, the election results were read, um, I uh, I really did not see that coming. I thought that um, I thought that America was going a different route, and I really felt the um, I felt the division prior to um, that announcement. And I really did not. I was hoping that wasn't going to happen. So when it did, um, I uh, I drank a lot. Um, I drank a lot of wine. I, I built things with wine bottles. Um, I mean, like small houses. I built uh, with that, and um, I, I think stated, Michelle and I can relate to that. I, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. And um, and and some of my friends were were so joyful about this, and I I was like, mm. oh my gosh, like I couldn't I. I thought we were on the same page. We had been friends for so long and, and it really, it rocked some of my uh, relationships in my family. I just, I, I really was having a hard time. So um, I was laying in bed and the news was on. And I remember um, I was like, Nope, I'm not, I'm not going to do this adult thing today. I'm not going to do, I'm just going to stay in bed. Right. And the covers were over my head and I heard someone talking and I I peeked over and I remember just my eyes were out, right? I peeked and I was like, what is going on here? And this lovely lady named Tiffany was on the news and she was talking about this Touchy Topics Tuesday and how people come together and they share their differences and and then they learn to communicate and have relationships and ongoing, um, I just couldn't believe that that was possible. So um, I immediately emailed her stalked her, kind of, like that, (laughs) and um, begged her and whatever to let me come to PTT, and uh, I went there, and immediately, it, like, it just, it was amazing, so it changed my whole entire life, Um, and now, it it was, it was amazing,
1: one of the best
3: Uh, decisions.
1: You know, I, I, Lori, we were talking a little bit before we, we went on the, the show here tonight. I We were talking a little bit about how pivotal of a, of a moment it was to learn the results of the election and it almost akin to these other moments in history that people remember, like, where were you when 9-11 happened? Where were you when Kennedy was shot? Where were you, like, when these m- major things went down and I definitely have that where were you story with with the election and 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 like you you know I was you know devastated and drinking heavily that next day you know it was like the first decision It's like well I don't normally drink in the morning but you know know? um and in so I'm curious uh you know how everybody else feels about that. Do they have those, the remember when moments on that day?
0: I I was at the Royale. I'd gone with a friend of ours, Darcella, to watch the, uh, the uh, results come in. Mm. And um, it, as they, as the, the, the electoral college map started shifting on the screen and you could just hear it gets silent and silent in the Royale. And um, I think we left and yeah. we just walked out just devastated. Cause we like you, Lori, I, I didn't think that we were going to go quite in the path that, you know, the rest of the nation um, you know, well, not the rest of the nation, but those that uh, in those States um, uh, that installed him, but uh, I I think hard for me was the, the utter glee of right. friends that I thought were friends, and usually on Facebook, not my close circle, except for like, you know, my dad, but he's been brainwashed by Fox News for so long now. Um, but uh, definitely it was like w- the defensiveness and the mm-hmm. – The anger at from the people on the winning side. Oh, at staggering at at us for being disappointed. Yeah, you know, know. and and it was. I mean, I you know, I lost a few Facebook friends over it. They
1: (laughs) they were sore winners. Totally,
0: totally, yeah, Um, and they're still they still are, you know. But um, I didn't have an outlet like you found uh, Tiffany, so. I just drank a lot and ended up meeting Emily and continued to drink And <laughs> we now started a podcast. A podcast. So, <laughs> so this is, this is our, uh, you know, our touchy topics, but you know, um, not, not on the magnitude of what you guys have been doing, but, uh, um, yeah. I definitely can identify with how, how you felt, um, and how we probably all still feel. Yeah. So
1: well, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, how did you find touchy topics?
4: <laughs> um, I, attend WashU and I, they were trying to figure out um, a lot of potential solutions for students because a lot of people, in, well, not including me because at the time I hadn't heard back, but a lot of people got job offers rescinded and internships canceled and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and because so, of COVID? Because of yes. COVID? Okay. Yeah. And so I had been looking and I found it through the WashU, like, career center portal. Um, and I specifically was like, ah, I want to do this because my, like, a lot of people my age have been very, like, on the ground organizing. And it's not really my place to do that as a non-Black person of color at all. But um, I can still, you know, obviously offer support and help and my own skills where I can. And I felt that TTT was a place where I could do that without taking away someone else's voice or denying someone else the opportunity to get those skills.
1: I' I've, I'm I'm gonna go into a touchy topic conversation here because I'm curious. you say I, I think it's so eloquent what you said about being a non-black person of color, um, because you yourself have a gorgeous color to your skin tone. And in, you know, in uh, the current climate that we're in, I think you'd be, you know, you're a minority here, right? So you yourself face uh, your own set of challenges. And so I think it's interesting that you identify yourself with you know, not as a part of that group of challenges, but yet you still have, I'm sure some that you, you face too. Like how do you navigate the balance of those conversations?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's very delicate for me personally because I'm always trying to make sure that when I say things like on social media or like my opinions about what's happening, That I'm making sure that there's a division, that it's just my opinions, and that in terms of resources or, like, people who, you know, are the ones who are, like, starting the chance at the protests or doing the -the on-the-ground organizing, like, I'm uplifting those voices instead of trying Mm. to drown them out with what I'm saying. I think, I don't know if you all, like, really, like, saw the, like, Blackout Tuesday posts on, Mm. especially, like, Instagram and, you know, a lot of flack that those got was because people were tagging them with BLM and that just eats up the hashtag. And, you know, other organizers are posting valuable resources in there, places you can donate, um, potential ways of, like, just, you know, unlearning those own pieces of your mentality. And all of those get drowned out by, you know, just a black screen with mm-hmm. maybe a quote and then the tag. And, like, I feel like that's a very good R- summary of is the point of uplifting the voices that are the most marginalized.
0: I, th- I think that um, some of us, Aren't as savvy about how all the hashtags and work. Like I, my son, who's a, a senior in high school now, he was explaining to me about the blackout. He's like, "Mom, if you're gonna put the, if you're gonna put a black screen up, don't use Black Lives Matter." I'm like, "Well, wh- well why wouldn't I?" Because he's like, mm-hmm. and then he explained that that it, it dilutes it, right? It dilutes yeah. what the the hashtag. But I had no clue that that's yeah. how that worked. Yeah, neither and did I. I, would I was thinking guess that there's probably others
1: absolutely it's like it's it's a gesture to try and show support right Mm -hmm. and and a and a desire to do better and learn and be there in solidarity right so um I, i i too was ignorant in that um not knowing that it's it's diluting access to important resources because if somebody then searches on Black
0: Lives Matter, they're going to get all of the black yeah. screens and not actually get to the information. Um, and then on like flip side, when I hear about what like the uh, the TikTok groups or the or is the K-pop groups that will take a hashtag and then like um, own it, I'm putting that in and an it. like co-opt it. Mm-hmm. So that's like similar, right? So that if they take something and they'll so they'll then dilute whatever that. Um, message was if they, if they are against it. So, so, you know, it's been used um, uh, uh, purposefully as well for as, sure. um, you know, in, ignorant, like an ignorance with it. So I think for, you know, myself and I would tell other, you know, uh, women and, and friends and, and, um, you know, neighbors to understand or ask the nearest, Teenager around you uh, <laughs> to explain what that what that really means because we you, have been acting under a um, under an idea that we thought it was.
1: Do you think that that there is an actual intentional tactic out there that's because I mean social media and all of this have algorithms. And so th- they can comb, comb through messages and, and link up whether or not there's website resources and other hashtags and all that stuff exists. So yeah, I'm just curious if, you know, is it intentional to within, I don't know, these algorithms or whatever, is there something happening that's saying, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to dilute the message?
4: I mean, that's a big criticism of TikTok. I'm not super familiar with TikTok personally. Um, it's not really my thing, but I, a lot of my friends are, and so I kind of, I've heard a lot about how the TikTok algorithm, the way that it's designed, is intentionally diluting certain tags, or, um, a lot of the people who get TikTok famous are very fair skinned and promote certain messages and stuff like that. And whether or not that's intentional, like, I couldn't tell you but it is a trend that is very noticeable that a lot of people have called it out for that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's definitely um, going under some scrutiny.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm not, I'm not challenging that those algorithms are probably, um, I don't want to say intentional, but someone had to code them and someone who coded them had biases and, you know, but I think it's easier um, since, Emily suggested we have this touchy topic. Hmm. I think it's easier to point to the peripheral things that we can not be accountable to and for, like the algorithms, instead of questioning, like, why would you need to point to teenagers um, to help you understand the dynamics of diluting a message or unless there are no people of color that you kind of have your personal sphere of influence that you're accountable to that you could have kind of walked or talked this through with. So I'm curious to know, like, if that's even... Um, so
0: I, I guess my I'll respond to that because I made the statement. Um, I was completely ignorant of <laughs> how those, that the hashtags really work and mm-hmm. how um, uh, until my son pointed it out to me. So my my statement was, if you are ignorant of how yeah. th- how those things work, find somebody who can explain it to you. And for me, it was my son, my teenager. Um, I don't know if I, I probably wouldn't have even said anything to my, my friends who are of color because I wouldn't have known that I was doing something wrong. Like I wouldn't have known that my actions were, were diluting a message until my son pointed it out. And so I'm grateful that my son pointed it out to me. Um, He's uh, you know, he's my activist um, uh, uh, for to point thing to help me understand how to, how to be a better, how to be a better person to everybody in my life and beyond, you know? Um, And I, I mean, I've, I know I've grown a lot. I have grown a tremendous amount since Michael Brown was shot and, Mm -hmm. and killed Um, because I had the, I was under the miss, I I had the misunderstanding that that was like uh, a rare occurrence, you know, in in my sphere, we had the Rodney King riots in 1992. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Michael Brown and in, in, in the world I had lived in, mm-hmm. n- completely oblivious to everything that had gone on in between. But since Michael Brown and mm-hmm. social media and teenagers who've grown up, you know, children who've grown up in St. Louis, who have, you know, have diverse friends um, all around, um, I'm definitely more aware and it pains me that I had went from 1992 to 2014 um, ignorance
3: mm-hmm. and
0: not necessarily thinking that, that, that there was anything I could do or anything I had to do. Right. Yeah. So um, I feel like I try to kind of like make up for lost time, yeah. but re- in, but in a respectful way. Yeah. Does that make sense?
2: Absolutely.
0: So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um because it's hard it's hard um and i know that um i i know that what another flaw i have is i like to speak on behalf of um everybody everyone <laughs> everybody and i and i i um remember the first time my one of my friends um uh who who of uh african american women said well i'm not speaking for every african american woman you know i can't speak for that and i and i'm like well <sighs> i'm just asking you a question you know but i guess in a sense we've asked our one person our two our three or four our handful of um of black friends or to speak on behalf of everybody and i know that that's been unfair now i know that's been unfair um, so I try now not to speak on behalf of all white women. I mean, you know, I try not to be that person, um, and, uh, and change, um, change that behavior of of me, of of mine. I'm sorry, change that behavior of mine. Be aware of it, so I can change it.
1: I, I think that just, I think it's important as a as a as a as a person who wants to continue to grow and learn. I, I to just be forever curious. You know, and I think one of the things that Michelle and I really sought out to do in creating this podcast was create a safe space to be curious, to ask questions, to be honest about uh, our thoughts and feelings and, and explore those. And I, I think that, I think, you know, ignorance is, you know, that's one thing, you know, you can't know what you don't know, but you can be open to learning, right? Um uh, and 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 receptive to it, and um, I, I think it is very important to um, to allow space for you know people to feel comfortable saying, I. I don't know how to handle this situation. I've never been been in it before, you know. Um this out, wasn't how I grew up, but to be curious and ask those questions, it's it's touchy for sure because you want to be sensitive. Um you want to let people know that, you know, you're trying to not judge or put your your own belief system in on the situation and um Um, you know, do you have, Tiffany, do you have advice as to really good ways to engage these conversations so that people can, you know, open up honestly and, and feel that they're not offending by asking questions?
2: So, absolutely. And I want to, I'm going to let Lori respond to, um, like Michelle's, um, to your, to you and, um, Michelle's, um query about having that space because in TTT, it is completely about people in motion. So it's not just about white people in motion. Um, It's about everyone who comes to that table. The TTT experience is an exchange of grace for truth. But I think what's missing is people expect that to not be an abrasive journey and it's impossible not to be. And in TTT, we show up authentically every week, um, and authentically. Any of my participants know authentic is the antithesis of perfectly. So perfection is mm-hmm. not even. Um, it's not even a virtue that I esteem at all. All of my participants know that to show up authentically means you're bringing all of those insecurities and flaws and. Um, Mistakes into that space and you're working them out. So, TTT is a space to do that, it's, but it's still a space where it's not going to be this um, this rainbow and unicorn field journey. I think part of the reason why we keep having to repeat so many of these uh, broader issues in society is that we draw back when we get to the part where we are braising one another. And so in TTT, it's a matter of not trying to really avoid that, but kind of controlling the degree of abrasiveness and putting that intent with the impact. Because as humans, there's no way for us not to have these (laughs) abrasions. Um, It's just impossible. So I think um, there's definitely a way to do that. And this is not a judgment in the question, but it is a question that I'm always asking uh, white participants to consider. And so I'm going to tag Lori in just to add her thoughts. And when she first came in and Lori is now the creative ambassador for TTT, she was so proactive in coming in and um, reorienting herself and her own awareness. And um, she actually came to me after she had only been there a month. It was like, I need something deeper. Like I need to, I need to plug into the organization a deeper way. I'ma still participate, but I need I need a job with you, like I'm... <laughs> And so she's very adjacent to me, and Lori and I have even had abrasive conversations, abrasive points in our relationship. But we've decided that we've come to a point where the relationship um trumps that, and we still work through those abrasions. So, Lori, if you don't mind, just sharing a little bit of your experience around that. Sure.
3: Um, we'll talk about your use of Trump, um, after, uh, after. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so that's the beauty of TTT was that it's not a safe space at all. Like right from the start, you know, it is not. <laughs> and if you are at me, <laughs> cause you get your fee hurt, you're going to have rough times. Right. <laughs> So um, that was the beauty. So you, we had topics um, that uh, a facilitator chose, and we would um, read something about current events or something that was happening, whatever they wanted to um, talk about, and then we would engage in conversations. So. Best thing is someone that doesn't look like you, that doesn't have your experiences, getting to be open and honest about their experience. White people do not get to hear that. Um, uh, Black voices are silenced so much. And so uh, to hear those experiences and then check yourself about how you played in that knowingly or unknowingly um how the system which i always say the system duped me like i'd had no mm. we don't know that what we learn in school is not the truth we're young and we trust our teachers and we we have no idea this is happening and then um to learn all of this is educating yourself first of all so educate yourself read books read books by black authors. It's so important. And then to really engage, um, with people and have relationships with people that have not had your experience that don't look like you is key. And that's what we did. And I mean, there were tears, there was snot, I mean, everything. Um, and that's how we learned. And so, uh, and I remember, uh, I said something, and I remember uh, Tiffany, when I first met her, I didn't know her very well. She was like, uh, no. And I was
2: like,
3: (laughs) "So." And I sat there, and I I was like, but it wasn't Tiffany's job. I didn't go, "Uh, why did you say that? It wasn't her job. It was my job. So I was like, dang it, now I'm going to have to Google when I get home. So I went, and I search that. Why do I think she said I was wrong? That wasn't, that wasn't the way it was or whatever. And I found it and it was enlightening. And so that's knowing you're going to come back to the table. You learn to, you don't have to agree um, with people. You have to listen um, and you have to learn and you have to see where you play in to other people's experiences, um, where your responsibility is. And then um, I learned, Tiffany is very graceful. She was way more graceful than I I am, or I was. And so um, I learned from her to have a little bit of grace and try to ask questions and try to really, so I went to what I call Trump land, a um, little town that I, I'm from, and I I really engaged with people that weren't bad people. I just didn't understand how we could be so different, but still be friends. And so really engaging in that and and asking questions, finding out um, and having hard conversations, but I still want to be friends with them.
1: I think that's a key point, Lori. I, I, I have friends also. That uh, I consider very good friends, that are v- wonderful people, have good hearts, and, um, but you know, voted for Trump, and and will vote for Trump, you know, and it's so you always you often hear socially, you know, there are things you don't talk about at dinner, you don't talk about religion, you don't talk about politics, and and I definitely early on felt like, you know, well, we just can't go there because it's just going to get ugly and then everyone's going to be upset. And then, you know, and and then we're just, just like, we're going to waste this opportunity to see each other, which we don't get to see each other, all this stuff. And then it became very clear to me that it was like, wait a minute here. No, 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 You know, the, the stakes are too high to just well, create a pleasant situation for us to have an evening of dinner, and so uh, once I kind of had that realization, these friends I, I that I you know went back to 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 see in my hometown. Um, we started going there in our conversation, and it was pretty awesome because it difficult, yes, and like you're saying, I mean it's it 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 it's not it's not this fuzzy, like lets everybody hug while we're talking about this stuff, you know, there wasn't snot, but, but we definitely, um, you know, we, we, we were very clearly on different sides of the conversation. We still like each other. We're still friends. And I think, you know, the needle was moved, right? I heard things in that, and if I heard things in those conversations, like I never thought of it that way. And, you know, and that's a win, you know, just open up that, that thought. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah. I was going to say when you said, um, or when you mentioned that saying about, you know, we don't talk about politics or religion at the dinner table. I feel like it's kind of critical to ask like who does or doesn't have the privilege to talk about politics or religion at the dinner table. Because like Mm -hmm. when Tiffany was talking about how TTT started, she and her husband and her daughter having the conversation about Michael Brown's death, like, that wasn't optional, you know? Right. And for them, like, that wasn't something they could avoid. Um, and even for me, like, I said I'm not black, but I that was a conversation that we couldn't avoid at home either because mm-hmm. I'm obviously very brown. Um, and so I think it comes back to, you know, who gets to exist in a neutral way and who exists in a politicized way because it, I personally, I am a deep believer that everyone exists politically. It's impossible to exist apolitically and that whiteness is political just as blackness and brownness are political. And that means that by definition, there's always going to be something to unpack. Like there is mm-hmm. a way to unpack whiteness and how that affects your thought of like your state of mind and how you approach situations because I can easily verbalize how my brownness and my Indianness affect how I see certain situations right
0: I I can say that um, uh, you know I'm 51 years old and I've lived all across the US my dad was in the military and so we lived in the south I lived out in California I lived in Hawaii I spent some time in Europe um, and I feel like I I had I, Obviously, look reflecting. I had I had opportunities because of um, opportunities were not denied me because of the color of my skin, um, but I saw I saw our, our country in, the, in differently by where I lived, and I could see um, I, as a military child we we kind of are um, uh, maybe are more can have a more accepting life because we move around and so much that we're not ingrained in any place. And you make friends with, you know, who else has moved here, you know, this time. So, so we're a little more, uh, could be a little more fluid, a little more accepting. Um, um, but when I would go and, and live in areas like Alabama, Mississippi, um, I could, I, I would see like the, the overt uh, racism on display and as a 20, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old, not know how to, this is back in the nineties, um, not know how to stand up because I'd always tried to assimilate where I was because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and so it was just really, it was, it was really hard um, to to know that what I was experiencing was wrong, but yet I wasn't doing anything to change it. Um, Fast forward to being 51 um, and a whole lot more uh, awareness of the world, uh, complete and utter devastation on November 9, 2016, Um, but a lot more anger at the institutions that I believed in, that I thought were there for everybody. Mm-hmm. A lot more, and, and that I thought, that's my thinking that they were there for everybody. Not that they were there for everybody, but that was my thinking that they were there for everybody. And anger at the institutions and the the leaders and those who um, had been making these decisions. And then the more I know or the more I learn, mm. like the angrier I
1: get. So the yeah. system duped you, also, Michelle. Completely. Yeah. I love that line. I get it. Yeah, but I don't want to be continue to be dis- duped,
0: right? Nor do I want to be um, faced, you know, because I'm 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 a lot more you know active on a keyboard. I don't like to get into <laughs> like you know, be- back and forths on on the Facebook kind of thing. I, I really, <laughs> really hate that. Um, it turns my stomach. Uh, and it's easier for me to then, like, walk away from it. But if I'm in person with somebody who doesn't see eye to eye, I admire you, Lori, for mm-hmm. having the conversations in, in Trump land. I don't know if I can do that yet. I haven't gone to touchy topics. I, I probably should, well, you know, get actually, there. Michelle,
1: you do do that because um, I know that we do have podcast listeners on both sides of the of the fence there. And I know that because a lot of the friends that I was having that conversation with listen to our show every day. <laughs> They're probably so, like, oh man, how do you deal with that Michelle character? <laughs> so you are having those conversations, you know, and, mm. and uh, you know.
0: Well, and as you, and as somebody who moved around and assimilated and, you know, didn't want to rock the boat because I wouldn't have any friends, you know, for the three years I would live there or whatever mm-hmm. it was, whatever that reasoning I learned to overlook. Yeah. You know? But now I can't overlook. I
1: can't. Mm -hmm.
0: It's uh, yeah. I I, I mean, and 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 it can be different. And it should be different. Yeah. And that's the part that really like upsets me when people are like, oh, it's just gotta go back, you know, gotta go back to the status quo. And I'm like, no, we don't need to do no. And I, and I've said this on a, we've said this on a live show, if the, if there's one good thing that came from him being put into office was that he disrupted so much that it tore away the, tore away things that the, the, the little threads that were keeping our, our society in its nice little, let's go to work, let me, stock market mm-hmm. get bigger, my 401k, you know, buy a house, you know, like, that it just tore, shattered that, and then revealed yeah. all of these wounds. It
1: definitely exposed, um, it exposed that there was so much more of that thought process and racism and these core issues, way more than I thought we had. I honestly thought, I honestly thought we had evolved, so socially speaking, you know, and that the problem, that, that that was just a small group of people, you know. I had no idea that not only was it way bigger, but I kind of feel like it's like almost a majority of, mm-hmm. of, you know. Uh, of the thought process that's out there, I I I, I was staggered to see. I, I've been really that was I think the the hardest thing for me to realize, in um in in that was it it brought to surface all these angry, hostile, judgmental, racist people. I think um, that skit that Saturday Night Live did. Right
0: after the election, and there was the there was the three white people on the couch, and I can't remember the name of the actors. And then um, I know Chris Rock was in it, and on um, the other and uh, another African American actor from Saturday Night Live. I can't remember his name either. And all the white people are freaking out as the returns are coming <laughs> in, right? And we're like, oh my god, you know, dying. And <laughs> um and, and then the and the black actors are like, and Chris Rock like, this doesn't surprise us. This doesn't surprise us. And the, and they're like, what do you mean this doesn't surprise you? It's like, no, we totally expect this to happen. This is why. And like, just sort of, and I remember watch, uh, watching that skit and, and as the, as the act, the black actors are speaking their lines, I'm reacting like the white people on the couch, like, wait a second, what do you mean? Um, and it took me rewatching it a few time on few times on youtube to finally get the nuance of this is not a surprise that the united states is not this utopia that we have been that we thought misled to this that american exceptionalism or, had, or idea. had privilege right yeah we've had the privilege to right sit on our couches and be shunned st- stunned on a you know, November 9th. And we've had the privilege to say we don't talk, like you said, Elizabeth, like, well, we don't talk about religious and politics, right, at dinner, mm-hmm. right? We just don't. I mean, I thought that was a beautiful point. Um, mm-hmm. Not everybody gets that gets that luxury, you know? Um, when my my kids go out, I mean, I never thought about not letting them play in the backyard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, until we right. until Dana Kelly was on the episode and she talked about, or, or uh, Regina Sykes, you know, talking about, like, Always, you know, needing to know where the kids are, even if they're 25, 30 years old. And that sort of, I mean, that sort of intense stress Mm -hmm. on a parent is, is is unfathomable and it shouldn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that irritates me Mm -hmm. to no end. Yeah. And, um... And I'm I'm so grateful that that you guys exist in St. Louis because I think your conversations have a ripple effect, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Think, um,
0: you know, your conversation in Trump Land, like
3: right? Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It really did. It was um, so just the. I I love how Tiffany is intentional about bringing people um, that are different um, together and how um, it's kind of like, she just lets us go like organically have these, have these conversations. And so I, this is just my opinion, but you know, the system has made it super comfortable for white people. Right. And we, don't have to. We have blinders on, and we don't have to to look past them. Um, and to just have have another voice tell about their experience is just profound. And I that is just missing because the system. I say it's it's evilly ingenious. This system that's lasted for hundreds of years. Um, can dupe us this way. And we don't even know it. And then there are populations of people that, that we think that everyone is getting the same benefits as we're getting.
4: And Mm -hmm. it's just
3: absolutely not true. And it is fascinating to be with a stranger that has not had that experience. and, And we talk about the same thing in the same country and it's like so different and, it's absolutely fascinating, and you—I mean, I—I've just grown as a person. I because then I see how where where I am in in their experience and what I have had that they don't get to, right? And then I go back and I start unpacking, uh, like we go back. Tiffany takes us back to like the womb, you know, where we have to unpack and and we have to see, you know. Where this system was for us, and where this started, and when we started to be um, aware of like racism and and things, and and so where were we, and then where was our realizations? And it's it was fat. It's fascinating. I'm a whole new person. Yeah, mm-hmm. I still drink wine, just as much.
2: Yeah, I want to highlight too, and and um, both Lori and Elizabeths experience that this is not just like it can, like it benefits everyone, including the people of color, the black people, the white people in a way that I think we've missed a lot of opportunities to do. So of course, there are absolutely systemic things that we should be working on policy changes, macro level things. But in being a practitioner of this for six years, what I realized was missing is that people don't get to like really connect themselves to that broader system. That broader system could be so overwhelming when you start to think about all the machines in play. Yeah.
0: To keep that
2: to keep that thing running, and so sometimes we just need to kind of stop and take these bite-sized movements out of the machines. So I always say, so first of all, what we always say is everybody shows a nipple, and t- like there is no pl- like everyone is going to get vulnerable. There's going to be shared tears. There's going to be anger. There's going to be laughter. And um, we do, we don't just have these conversations just to kind of, because one of the things all of us don't say in TTT, some people curse me out and and tell me to kick rocks and tell me I'm the devil himself. And that's okay. But the great thing about TTT is there is, because it draws out the most authentic version of you, especially in a racial context, I am no longer guessing about who you are in the community. We don't have to be BFFs, but I am aware enough to know where you are on the spectrum to know a little bit more about my safety level. If I see you out or about where you are in your own awareness journey and um, that helps. Where I'm not spending a lot of mental energy trying to figure that out if you were just a stranger. So the relationships aren't these extremely intimate. They can become extremely intimate, but they're very communal. And I know like even that's a cultural difference. When you say relationships, all of my white participants come in like we're going to drink wine, hang out, have PG pajama part. I'm a black and people of color come in like, no, nah, I don't know you like that. Like, hold up, give me a second. <laughs> Let me figure you out. And so like even our trust, like that variable of trust that, you know, it has to be weighed and factored in. So we support each other in a social environment too. So after each trimester, after we have a trimester of sessions, we get together we just kick it. We have a swimming party. We go bowling. We invite partners, spouses, kids, anybody who wants to come. Extend the community, and and um, because there were so many sessions at once, I think there were four sessions, Lori. I think All I of the everybody. people who are involved in all of these separate sessions I get to see to how big the in. TTT community is. And guess what? We have. So I am one person. You, everyone here is an individual. But guess what? There are doctors. At TTT, there are pilots, there are teachers, educators, social workers. So, all of these systems can be impacted by, like, I think it was Michelle that said, that domino effect. Because mm-hmm. these individuals move outside of the TTT space with what they've learned and they apply it in their workplaces and in their own communities. And so, they build that mezzanine level that leads to the macro level of change. So, um, But it's trust and belief. Some people don't stay. And there are sometimes like really abrasive conversations that cause all of us to have to say, okay, we, everybody go get a snack or something. Like we just need to stop. It's just really intense. But we come back.
1: I I love that, you know, what you've done in creating this non-safe space, <laughs> you know, draws out this authentic nature. And and you get to yourself to a point that you can just hang out with everybody, know who everybody is, and appreciate them for who they are. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's pretty amazing. So you kind of like them, despite knowing the worst of the worst about who they are, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty incredible.
4: I mean, my thoughts, I think that the safe space has gotten vilified, like that term has gotten vilified a lot. But, you know, the core idea is that like people can show up and be authentic selves without fear of retribution or being judged. And in some ways, TTT is that. I think also the key word in, or the key idea in the creating of a safe space is that it's equitable um, and that a safe space isn't a safe space for people who are already safe, who aren't necessarily like, threatened. Um, and, you know, like a safe space for women might be, or a safe space for survivors of assault or a safe space for people of color are probably honestly away from, you know, men or potential abusers or white people with the expectation that, you know, this is a space in which you can be comfortable. And TTT is unique because it is an equitable, safe space in that a lot of different people are coming together, but the way that it's designed is safe for a lot of different people and and acknowledges that and tries to do that equitably so and not just apply a blanket rule of, you know, say what you want. If that makes any sense.
1: It makes great sense. I think it's a a really good point. Yeah. Can't hear me. Damn it. I I yeah. Gosh, I haven't even thought about that. I just thought about safe, meaning we're gonna hear everything you have to say and we're not gonna judge you and we're gonna have conversation. Yeah. But that's one that can be kind of one way. Like equitably means we are all contributing to this conversation.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think um, that—so the safe space and, like, the, oh, never talk about politics, never talk about religion, mm-hmm. that's all— So, and, and I'm not blaming, uh, you know, your parents if they said that or anything, but I'm just saying, because um, that was a, a rule— It's social speak. Yeah. Right. Yes, it's something
1: we hear rule. everywhere. And so that It's key- almost courtesy.
3: Right. It's a courtesy in social situations. Right. Or it could be that you don't want um, the system doesn't want to be interrupted by you questioning things.
1: So Isn't if not talk about it,
3: it, can remain the same. <laughs> and so that's what ETT wow. has benefits. done is just, yeah, it's interrupted that. And so there's, oh, yes,
1: you don't- That's a big idea.
3: Yeah, you don't, uh, you know, you're not politically, you know, uh, polite or anything. You, you lay it all out there and that's how you learn. Um, that's just how you learn about people that you have been sheltered from. Because if you are not talking to them, then you can believe all of the things that you've heard about them because there's nothing to um, question. So you, you you, and that's the, the division. And what TTT does is brings everybody together that there's no division when you're talking and that's how you find out that, oh my gosh, I've been lied to this whole time. I can't believe it.
1: It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God. That's almost conspiracy theory, right? That, that there is this system that is deliberately undermining society to say, we don't want you talking about politics. We don't want you talking about religion because we want, we want it to be polarizing A or B. And we want to be able to know where that's at. And control that Don't meld these things together Separation is better Left and right is better Right and wrong, all of that That is, And that's the
2: power dynamic Of How these systems stay in place They're very powerful And the benefit to them is adhering To them Without ever talking to one another
1: Oh
4: god yeah I it makes it world sound world
1: bigger world. than i ever i mean it's a big <laughs> issue but then i suddenly feel it's like yeah it's <laughs> bigger <laughs> it's,
3: <laughs> yeah yeah especially when you um you see how you've played into that not knowing that you were playing into Right. That. and then you're like oh, oh my gosh um yeah that it, how do you feel about
1: how do you feel about the education system and the way it's structured and shifted over the years playing into that? I mean, if we're talking about a system that's deliberately keeping us in a way that's not talking about these things, I have I mean, I grew up in the public school system, and I am somebody as an adult that was continually disappointed in my education. And I'm somebody who tried. Like I'm somebody who wanted the A, I studied, I did all of that. And I'm continually like, why don't I know this? And I remember the shift happening in school where it went from, we're talking about ideas, we're talking about how things happened and why to it. We don't need to know why, stop asking questions. You just need to know this is the date, this is the result, and this is what happened. And I distinctly remember that shift happening, and it's you know school, it became all about scores and this and that, rather than, this is, this is the problem. Mm-hmm. These were the actions, and this was the result. Yeah. you know. I, I, I personally feel that our education system has not done any justice to this dynamic we're talking about right now. Do you feel that? I mean, how do you feel about that and
2: how its role? Elizabeth, you want to answer that? Since yeah, I have in this system.
4: I was <laughs> gonna say I. Yeah, <laughs> and I graduated from a public high school last year, so I have the the test after effect, and um, I I feel like. It's I would I honestly like I really don't believe it's my teacher's fault. I think that the way that uh, federal and state curriculums are designed are very much dependent sure. on meeting certain benchmarks and goals. And obviously, you know, we had standardized testing like two to three times a year. Like there's just simply not. And then that's like state mandated standardized testing and national. That's not counting
2: mm-hmm. the
4: other tests that we have to take like AP SATs. Right. ACT, like, all of those tests are, you know, in theory, supposed to be natural progress markers, but they're really not. So there's that part of it where it's like, okay, well, like, we as educators are accountable to another, you know, federal or state power. But there's also, I would think about this a lot, because I think about, like, when I was in elementary school, and, um, you know, like, learning about Abraham Lincoln, and like, Lincoln freed the slaves, and then later learning that, you know, Lincoln had was a very pragmatic person and he said like we will if you don't rejoin the union like his goal was keeping the union together and keeping the usa together it was not you know freedom and justice for all necessarily it was about keeping the country together and if you you know if you join back in the union we'll cut a deal with you and you know Mm. we'll, we'll make some kind of compromise and so like thinking about that i mean In elementary school, when you're teaching a lot of people at once, it's easier to just say, like, here are the facts, and then, you know, the obvious extrapolation is Lincoln wanted to free everyone, and whether or not someone Mm -hmm. says that isn't even necessary at this point, because that's kind of where your mind goes. And then middle school, I remember, like, doing my own reading on the side just because I was curious, and I really liked the Civil War at the time, and then learning more about that, and I was like... Like, I can't believe this, you know, and again, it's like another, you know, we have tests and out of convenience, it is easier for us to give you these facts to memorize and give you what are supposed to be your basic tools of understanding American history and understanding our issues today through the lenses of the past. Um, that's what it's supposed to be, but it's easier for us to give that to you packaged as facts to memorize Mm, than as mm-hmm. tools to unpack and tools to mm. view things through. And I think, yeah. yeah. And I think also it's just like, it comes back to like, there's no good answer. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, there are people who don't believe there's like a system at place. At the end of the day, like, you have people who believe that the system extends way beyond like what we're talking about and that it always comes down to there's no answer. There's no satisfactory conclusion. And at least for me as a child, and like my sister is younger than me. So I know that for her as still a child, you know, not having an answer is very uncomfortable. And in a classroom, especially when you are trying to like maintain authority and you're trying to keep the distinction between grades, between adults and children, between schools, like middle school, high school, elementary school. The answers and like the knowing, like knowledge is power, is a huge thing. And so if you open up all these discussions that don't have answers, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of causes a shift. And it that's something that you can't really resolve. Those discussions aren't, I mean...
1: I you know, I can I can really appreciate that. And I love what you're saying that education, you know, it really should be about setting it up so that you've got these tools so that you can then kind of dive deeper where you where you resonate. But but I I I felt my experience was that curiosity was not met with with wealth like with with well a uh, welcome like mm-hmm. i i was shut down i would ask the question because i was curious and wanted to know more and then i wasn't i wasn't because i'm young and i don't know what i don't know wasn't provided the then the tool to say well this is where you might find some more on this topic or mm-hmm. if you want to engage deeper in this conversation this might be some avenues to explore that and i i felt very frustrated uh, about about that, uh, you know, being a curious person. Um, I, 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 I'm not so. I think you're pretty special, Elizabeth. Um, and and you know, you're you're young. You 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 really have some incredible thoughts and are very articulate. And you're going to a top school in the world, so you know that says a lot, right? Um, I'm not so sure that everybody is like you and knows how to ask the question. I think there's a fair amount of our population that's like, okay, the answer's A, the answer's B, the answer's C. Okay, and they don't know to dig a little bit deeper, which I think is the danger, which is why it's so easy for a dictator to get <laughs> elected into office or, you know, to to keep these Systems duping people without question, and and so well, po- yeah. Go oh, ahead, sorry. Michelle. Yeah. Well, I was
0: gonna say possibly because there hasn't been a reason for them to question. Yeah. If you think about, you know, our contemporaries when we were in in school, um, you know, my classroom. i Now, I I didn't go to a public school; to moved to California, but all the all of my other schools were Catholic grade schools, and so I we had one or two black. Black children in the class. Everybody else looked like me. And if you have a, if there's no reason to question the facts that are given to you, because your life isn't in peril, you're not you're not worried when you walk down the street that you will be snatched up, killed, Mm -hmm. sex trafficked, or whatever. um, You know. Disposed of, um, you're not worried that when you go to apply for a job that you're not gonna not get it because well your brother's brother's brother knew somebody who knew somebody you know um, so there's no question there's no reason for them to actually ask the questions but there are people like you and like me who do ask the questions and then they don't know what to do with you because it's, it's like wait a second, I, I don't have that answer. I don't have the time for that. Um, and, and, you, and you kind of get suppressed when you ask, if you're a child and you're asking a bunch of questions and nobody's answering them, kind of quit asking the questions, right? Because mm-hmm. right. nobody's telling me anything. Right. So, you know, that's kind of a tactic there too. Mm-hmm. But I would think that for a majority of our country, it doesn't serve them to ask questions. And they're uncomfortable because the rest of us are, and we're not just going to sit back down because there is no answer. We're not accepting that as as the possibility. Right. And that uncomfortableness on their part is um is evidence in their reactions and the BS that comes out of their the messaging. Um, and uh yeah, it's just it's uh, it's interesting times, and I probably am a bit of a Pollyanna in this aspect of my personality. Is that I have a lot of hope and a lot of um, inspiration from the younger generation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Man, yeah, what. Uh, what energy, what determination, uh, what diligence. I mean, I, I, I kudos, I, a complete and total kudos um, to be out there every day making, taking a stand. You know, I, I'm, 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 I'm speechless with mm-hmm. it in, in, in awe. And I want that fire to stay there because that fire that you guys have spreads to the rest of us but we can make a change we really can you know um, I and I have a and demographically when the boomers really actually were the last of the world War II generations almost done and there's some of the the, the the silent generation then you have the boomers but when I mean I see the United States especially if we're if we're smart and we um, don't uh, let um, 45 uh, another four years we don't give them another four years um, if we're smart and we stand strong and that generation ages out dies perishes moves on. We have such unique voices and 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 clarity. There's so much clarity in the younger generation that wow, we could be this. We could be the the United States that we really ought to be for everybody. You know, I'm a bit of a Pollyanna, so. <laughs> um, but maybe that's how I get by and knowing that, you know, we can't stop. We're not going to, we can't stop for the first, um, uh, little concession they give us so that we all, Oh, Oh, they, they, gave they, they knocked down that Confederate statue. Okay. Let's just all get back to work. You know, let's just all go, go back to my 401k and my job and, you know, my neighborhood picnic and, you know, all that sort of stuff. We can't stop. You have to, just obliterate the hell out of all of it because it served nobody except the people who are, it, the people that benefited and that section, that class, that group of people, um, it doesn't.
1: Yeah. So ladies, they don't need to have it all
0: anymore. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. At the uh, We don't need to have, we don't need to have success on the backs of other people. Mm -hmm. We don't need to build our country on the backs of other people. We don't need to continue to build our country on the backs of other people. And then I think about how much innovation and creativity and um, amazing things that have happened within the United States within that system. And then if that system was gone and the system of oppression was gone and everybody had that equal chance like, like I've been given, what kind of, mm, what kind of innovation, be? creativity and yeah. world would we have? Be. You know, what have we missed out on because we were too busy oppressing people?
1: Yeah. That, that is the, that is the euphoric vision and dream, right? <sighs> yeah. I mean, America's great. The thing that is, that is great about America is that we are a melting pot, right? That we have, we have all of these amazing um, viewpoints from all around the world living here you know I just wish that we could really be fully yeah. fully intertwined and and growing collectively as a result of that and again like you Michelle I'm Pollyanna too and I think it's a you know it's like that's maybe a coping mechanism <laughs> it's like you know it's gonna be wine or thinking positively and maybe sometimes a bit of both <laughs> you know
2: <laughs> moving towards a better future to, um Michelle's like you guys saying you're Pollyannish. I remember when Elizabeth came to her first TTT session and afterwards, (laughs) I kind of met with her. She was our our youngest. And I knew I was like, this girl is going to go back to campus and she is going to like, right. She's going to represent. She's going to have these conversations. She's going to take all of this. And I asked her how she was feeling at the end of our session. She was like, oh my God, I actually got hope for adults now. Like (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> and I, you know, I was like, are we that bad? Like, yes, have I'm we really looked that bad? So I, I just want to say that that's been kind of reciprocated, um, at least from Elizabeth's
4: participation love in TCC. So, you not know All that bad, um, but yeah. when, <laughs> one adult being bad kind of spoils it for the rest of
2: you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. um, oh I guess it does. I don't <laughs> think Definitely. it's highly poly- managed. I think I think for us to think that we're ever going to arrive, like there's this point of arrival, my hope is in us staying in motion. Um, Even those points of awareness, Mm. we have to sometimes go back and revisit and add some nuance to it and say, oh, I really thought I had this understanding worked out. And now here's this other thing. So my hope is kind of centered in staying in motion Um. Giving the younger generation some wisdom, some tools on how to stay in motion Um, because you're right, the innovation is there. The tenacity is absolutely there. And I think for our generation is to be able to pass them some tools to say this, this, this worked or we were working on this. How can you modify it or level it up, take it to the next level, but stay in motion um, and for us to support yeah. them, like to just form this peripheral support and not make it so like a lot of times we'll say um, and I really appreciate Michelle talked about Elizabeth's generation. But a lot of times we'll say those things, but then we want them to check the boxes that we had to check and they don't. Like they have to speak this yeah. way and look this way and have these credentials and have this much experience and and be able to, you know, move this mountain and, and, you know, cross this river. And sometimes that's where their creativity gets stifled and having to check all of those status quo boxes. When you hear about um, what is it called? Silicon Valley tech mm-hmm. tech uh, industries, they have just money and fun set aside just to break stuff you know go break it and, and go figure it out and we don't we don't tend to think in those mm. terms of just moving even if something doesn't work we want it all worked out all figured out which is why TTT I'm very grateful for it. it's constantly it's this living breathing thing that we don't land anywhere we leave out every Tuesday <laughs> feeling like Ooh,
1: so, so let's talk about that a little bit. If people are interested in joining this conversation, joining this movement, or, or checking out what you're doing, how can people find you? How can people get engaged?
2: Um, you know, please share. So they can absolutely go to the website. Um, they can, um, I would, we really need funds to, in order to scale this movement because, of course, this uh, post-George Floyd and in light of the current, this current civic moment, the current landscape there are a lot of people wanting to be in these conversations just to center themselves and say, okay, what did I miss? You know, like the Hamilton Mm -hmm. song, what did I miss? Mm So um, we need money to scale. Things like this take money. And if you really like, and money answers all things. So you don't even have to be an advocate or ally or even know what that looks like to just donate, but please don't do it through the website because, like a lot of things that's happening inside the COVID, now my my um, link is not working. So if mm. I can give you guys a link to maybe post to yours um, alternately, yeah. that would be the priority, making sure that we keep uh, Black and people of color voices centered in this and to guide and support the work of white women who want to become allies to make sure that they do have some accountability, that they're not just out there trying to check boxes and getting um, kind of so much pushback, like they're, they're pushed back to apathy out of fear. And so that's another thing that we do. And then we also offer support just for black and women of color to have a place to unpack and kind of get rid of the um, toxic, toxic environment that we take on all day. So there are a lot of moving parts um, to TTT and in order for everyone, like you said, to keep having this, creating this environment where the domino effect is there, to keep creating this mezzanine level of pushing things and, and keeping people in motion. The um, the priority would be financial support. We are also revamping our sessions. Um, we're doing smaller cohorts, of course, virtually, so it, it kind of misses some of the magic because there's a difference in being with you on the screen and being with you over a meal and then mm-hmm. hanging out, bowling or something afterwards.
4: So yeah, we're creating
2: totally. kind of some different cohorts that both of these ladies are a part of. So um, yeah, your promotion and financial support would be greatly appreciated as a part of our Could I ask you, um, is it uh,
0: your population, uh, how does it break down gender wise, males,
2: females? <laughs> so, we got, we kicked the men out. We we're just like, <laughs> all different okay. we didn't kick them out. So initially we had men in all of our sessions. There were men coming, but one thing that we, that we kind of figured out really quickly and, and let me, let me, I guess, let me say this, let me kind of preempt this with this. Um, Two of the men um, from the early sessions are really dear, great friends of mine. And most of the men have, although they're socialized differently, though, around relationships. So it's a little bit of more of a tug to bring them into that relational model. Does that make sense? we women. Yeah. That's pretty much like we're we're nurturers, so to speak and so we know how to make those connections, and they're they're more important to us. We value them a little bit more. The men just want to come and drink and eat our food, and then they won't <laughs> to talk to them, about, you know, and it's like, no, nah, we're not getting ready to look at football. We don't, we don't. <laughs> you know, so we just, we're really tweaking this based off, um, again, okay. being a practitioner. It's not that we're not inviting men, but we always get more women. And we realize that women have that influential type, That our nature. We just, we're influencers, we're movers, okay. we're shakers. Um, and so focusing on that helps us to really build this model in a way that's going to be transformative. Okay. Well, that is... Makes I'm glad sense. you asked. That no one else has asked. So my secret yeah. is out the bag. Now I hope I don't get a bunch of mail from
0: men. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know we we have like you know maybe twenty percent of our listenership are men. Yeah. So you know uh, they'll they'll be they'll be the you know the best men to have. They really <laughs> yeah. are.
1: Yeah, because they are they are they are the ones that are curious in our viewpoint and our thoughts. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So so ladies, any other final thoughts to share as we come closer to wrapping the first of, I hope, many conversations that we are fortunate to share
3: with you? Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for um, having us on here. This is is what we need. This is what this movement needs, is people to um, allow us to talk and then and then uh, invite other people into talk with us. So yeah, you're a very influential part of this, mm-hmm. um, letting letting us get our information out and, and things. So thank you very much.
1: Oh my god, thank you. Oh, glad you <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally,
0: totally, Elizabeth. What are your plans for uh, for your next year um, with uh, COVID <laughs> and touchy topics? You know, and like you know a a, a a three a three bullet point PowerPoint slide answer.
4: <laughs> um, first bullet point: move back to St. Louis in, in an apartment off campus where it will hopefully be less germy. <laughs> um, <laughs> second, do you mean the school year or like the entire year? <laughs> have, however, you okay, define um, a year, you know. Well, TGT being a part of this, get more active in. My community, which includes St. Louis and Kansas City, which is where I'm from, um, and especially racial dialogue in these places. Uh, Three, somehow stay sane despite it being an election year. Yeah, right.
0: Oh, I think that's all of ours. Yeah. I think what is less than 100 days?
4: It's less than 100. Less than
0: 100 days. And I think if we just go on Amazon and start ordering our hazmat suits, that'll be called our, will be our voting outfit instead of doing the, uh, the white, the white pants suit when we were voting for uh, Hillary last time, we'll be in our hazmat suits and we'll be uh, showing up, you know, our since, COVID uh,
1: gear uh, and our, yeah, exactly. COVID yeah. Gear yeah. yeah.
0: And our masks and our headgear. So uh, thank you guys thank you, so ladies. much. Um, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to us today. I know our listeners, um, are going to be just as uh, inspired by what you guys are doing, and um, hopefully, you know, finding a way to have those conversations themselves. We really, really appreciate it. We'll have those. We'll have all these links in our show Great. notes um, for people to uh, connect to you. Um, uh, and then, you know, uh, yeah, thank you. I, that's really all we have to say
1: is yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, thank you. cheers. Thank cheers you for you. <laughs>